Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly, coming to you from Robert Morris University Studios. I'm your host, Steve Stefano Mancini. And my name is Claudio Relsano, and we hope all of you had a great Easter. Steve, uh, we have a great guest today, Mr. Nick Mancini Hartner. We're going to talk a little bit about his business. Everybody knows as soon as you say Mancini, we know what we're talking about here, which is bread. But uh, we want to know a little bit about his Easter yesterday. And let, let's start with you. How, how did things go with you? Well, actually, things went great for Easter. I um, was actually able to have the family over and, uh, you know, just spend a nice – tell you what, the weather here in Pittsburgh was absolutely beautiful, as you guys know that. So um, spring in Pittsburgh is something not to be taken lightly because it lasts for about 10 minutes, and then you go right into the dry summer. So, you know, how'd you guys do? Good times? We did. We had the owner of our scouting company, James Gamble, and his girlfriend, Tara, over, and my wife and daughter, of course, and I did all the cooking. I, I did a hell of a lot of work this week. I did the outside mulch. I did the, I did some painting. I did everything prep, getting ready, which I always do this time of year. Then the cooking, I uh, made a ham. I made uh, a dish that my mom, a couple of dishes my mom used to make. It's, an, it's a tradition. Uh, fried broccoli with garlic, excellent. Uh, fried peas with onion, excellent. Then I made something that I got off of Mario Andretti, and that is a shrimp chardonnay. Very good. Um, what else did I make? Uh, Wait, a shrimp, shrimp chardonnay. chardonnay? Did you say marinated. shrimp chardonnay? What is that? It's shrimp marinated in garlic and chardonnay wine. Very good. And then I bred it. I did a little bit different. Um, very good. Parsley, little basil, little black pepper. Um, but it was very good. And my, my So we had a great time. It was um Took a walk up street, and, and, uh, but it was very nice. And uh, uh, food was good, and uh, my back's killing me from all the work that I did, but everything's good. Everything's good. Nick, how about you? How did you uh, spend it with your family? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a beautiful day. Like you said, I took it easy. I only cut the front grass. <laughs> I didn't do the back. And uh, we uh, went to my cousin's house. He's, he's also a fifth-generation baker, uh, Scott okay. Baker. Went to his house and enjoyed a lot of food and my job's to bring the bread I'm and sure. then, uh, back off everything else. But. And I got to say, Nick brought me a couple loaves of Mancini bread. So we're going to have him We're gonna have him on a, as a guest multiple times, multiple times. But as I said— I'm going to weigh 500 pounds with this guy. I can I'm see it already. You, and I love you. it. I don't care. I love it. No, that's a good way to— to gain 500 pounds for sure. But our guest today is Nick Mancini Hartner. He is the vice president and part owner of Mancini's Bread, which is iconic here in this area, and I'm sure other areas as well. And I, I told Nick on the way down to the studio, uh, Steve, and to our great audience, my mom, obviously from Italy, used to make bread all the time. But when she didn't make it, her bread of choice was Mancini's. And I don't know if you can get a bigger compliment than that, Nick. No, it's a, it's a great personal endorsement that uh, the only competition is someone's mom. Right, so there you go. Uh, we've always like I love hearing all these stories. That's so. the only competition. But, you know, let's start off. First of all, tell us about your personal background, where you were born and raised, and, uh, and, and also what part of Italy is your family from? Uh, so we'll, I'm personally born in Wingap. It's the west end of oh, Pittsburgh. Uh, Not yeah. everyone knows where it's at. It's as far west as you can go and still be in Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> It's a you know small little area just north of McKees Rocks, uh, south of Sheridan and Crafton, mm -hmm. and grew up there and um, worked used to work a little bit at the bakery and my grandma had a restaurant and uh, cranberry you spent a lot of time up there on Sundays, and it just went from there. And I went away to college, um, 
became a, I went to study biomedical engineering and then wow. came back to Pittsburgh and basically my mom said, hey, try working at the bakery and see if it's something you want to do with your life. And, uh, you know, 20 something years later. The rest I'm, is history. Yeah, right. I'm st <laughs> still here. Yeah. So. Now, what, and what part of Italy is your family from? Yeah, so my family is from Santa Famia. It's uh, about two hours northeast of Rome, uh, towards the Adriatic, in the, uh, the Amaiello and Imagello Mountains. It's a, a little valley. It's a beautiful little yeah. place. Had the luxury of getting to go visit there when I was, just, uh, I think right after I graduated high school, my mom decided to like take us all there to go meet our relatives and, and see how they lived. It's a small village, maybe 200, 300 people. Sure. And uh, just a beautiful little place. Uh, the, 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 her, the husband of the cousin uh, ran a, a goat farm and basically he would bring the milk back at night and and my cousin she would make cheese yeah so it was a so it's like just great picturesque place and uh it's a little village and they have uh one ski lift so i think a lot of people have like a winter home there but then during the summer it's just 200 300 people really wow okay now tell us about your life growing up here in in, in wing gap in pittsburgh yeah so one of the really cool things is i grew up in wing gap like i said my great-grandfather, he bought like a old farm homestead and then built a bunch of houses and gifted one to each kid and then sold the other ones. And so I grew up with my grandpa, grandpa, next grandma, grandpa next door, my great uncle on one side, my other great uncle two doors up, another, my great aunt four doors up. So it was just like family all around. Sure. And it was like a really cool thing, you know, like just walk next door to grandma's house if, you know, everyone was busy, meet my cousins in the summertime, right. we'd play baseball and anything and, you know, get called in for lunchtime and just <laughs> play all day. Yeah. Steve? No, that's that's funny. I, I'm <coughs> kind of curious about something because you actually went back to Italy. When you go back to Italy, and I'm going to ask you the $64,000 question because you know my last name is Mancini. <laughs> but right. I remember growing up when this guy would walk down the street and he'd say, hey, Mancini, we all thought, you know, I was too young to understand he was actually pronouncing our name correctly. Did you <laughs> right. ever think that, hey, now that I've been to Italy and I come back and everyone keeps saying Mancini's bread, when does the PR campaign begin that says, listen, people, it's pronounced Mancini, <laughs> Mancini. <laughs> I'm just curious, though. Was that kind of, did, how, how, I'm just, I'm, I am kind of curious. How does that, you know, do you ever think about something as, you know, simple that they're actually pronouncing your name wrong? You know, I, because that's how everyone said it around me, that felt like the natural thing. And I almost think that's like a. It's did just, you, I mean, did it's you ever, just, you, did you, ever, you never thought about that? After, you know, whatever, I was corrected by, you know, certain cousins and things like that. But, uh, you know, like what people call you is what they call you. And, and uh, you know, to fight it is, is it's just an uphill battle. You know, if, they, if, if they're calling you Mancini and they love it, then I say, you know, you roll with it. You go with it. But, uh, but oh, I'm I, with you. Roll uh, with it. Pardon the pun. I'm and by the way, I'm joking with you. But it, it, it was funny because because now I'm sitting there going, it's Mancini. It's Mancini. And I'm like, no, it's Mancini when you're in the States. It's Mancini when you're in Italy. Um, and, and but sometimes, you, guys, you, you know, you go, how often do you go back? Do you go back and see your family? Do you stay in touch with them over there? No. Uh, well, the other, this is like, I have a couple of good family stories, but uh, the, the family really like branched out. So there was my grandfather, just because of how, when they came to the U.S., they have like this offset uh, cousins that are like a generation off. 
And so my grandfather had four first cousins, and um, one stayed in Santa Femia, and one moved to Toronto, one moved to Buenos Aires, Argentina, and one moved to uh, Melbourne, Australia. Wow. And so, the, you know, although the one family stayed, we don't have like a huge family in Italy. And so they're spread out, they're all over the place, and uh, it's, it's a really cool experience. I've met um, three branches. I have not gone to Australia yet, but when I have met them in Buenos Aires, in Toronto, in Italy, it's the same pasta sauce, it's the same <laughs> uh, homemade pasta. It's like you could not tell the difference even though you're on uh, four different continents. It's, wow. it's a really cool thing. Now, you said you, you graduated from Marquette. Did you want to be in this family business, or did you have other things in mind? And was there kind of what did the sixteen-year-old uh, Nick Mancini Hartner want to do? Yeah, that I you know since eighth grade I wanted to be a bioengineer and kind of always I just pursued that and then uh, through my education and just that little notch of uh, not basically that I'm like I was like a little too early in the field mm -hmm. and I either had to go back for graduate school or you know, go to medical school or, you know, pursue something on a long term. And I wasn't really ready to recommit. And um, so when I finished school, I came home and, you know, kind of immediately was expected uh, to go into the bakery a little bit. And <laughs> so I, I did that and I just found it very rewarding. I, like, I, I love just doing lots of different things. I love working with my hands. Mm. I love, you know, all the nostalgia, like just connections to my grandpa my grandfather and sure. and the bread and and the stories you hear like because when you grow up in it you don't really realize it's uh it's kind of like a co really cool authentic Pittsburgh thing it was just what we did but when so many people come up to you and they tell you a story about uh the bread or you know relationship to my grandfather or something it just you know it meant a lot to me and it was hard to walk away from family and just move you know halfway across the country was there pressure kind of hey this is what you're going to do or they just said hey do whatever you want to do no, yeah really the opposite my mom kind of said don't <laughs> don't don't, do don't stay and go do something else and um but at, at the same time you know the the language was to uh to come in and, and help you know help make everything get things done and get things make things better sure sure steve no, I was gonna. I am curious about one thing though. That you know, you you. It's a very it's a very tough challenge when you have a family business, especially when it's very successful. Let's be honest. Everybody knows Mancini's bread. You've been around a long time. I love it. I eat it. I wear the T-shirt. Um, you know that I got down in the strip. So I'm 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 happy to support because it's just a good product. I guess my question is is okay. You have this good product then passed down to the generations. You know, I mean, maintaining that, for lack of a better term, that quality and that reputation, because we've all seen businesses where, you know, it's a good business when, you know, when they say, oh, when the old man owned it, it was a good business, and the kids took over and it went to grow. How do you kind of make sure that, hey, this is this is more than a brand. This is This is a family thing. Like, you know, these recipes started with someone, and they've been passed down, and now they have to be maintained at a high quality so the people say, ah, they've gone down. They don't, or they don't say, you know, they've gone downhill. You guys seem to be doing that. How do you, how do you approach things to keep that, you know, to keep that quality and that, that family name still meaning something? It, it's a, it's a real challenge. Um, and someone said this to me, and I can't remember who said it, but it's, it's, a, it's a battle to always 
try to make yourself better, but stay the same at the same time. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real challenge to do those things because if we stayed the way we always did things, uh, that loaf of bread would cost, you know, $15, you know. So we have to integrate modern technology without disrupting what we do. And, you know, we've, I think my science education has really, like, helped kind of meet in the middle there. Um, so we used to just be a place that was just a multiple of my great uncle who started it. So he would make 65 pounds of flour, which equal about 92 loaves of bread. And he would do that himself. He would come in, mix it, make it, uh, scale it, proof it, uh, make it, and then uh, bake it. And then he would bag it and then go deliver it himself and sell it. And then when I came into the bakery, it was, it was just him times how many people we had. And, that's, and the most people you could fit at the table was eight people. So that was as big as the bakery could get. You know, that was, that was the limit. And, uh, you know, really to be successful with bread, it's, you're not, you know, you're not making a, a killing on this. You're making a dime or a quarter uh, for a loaf of bread. So you have to... Uh, See, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. A lot they, of people don't know that. Yeah. And you, and you say successful has been, you know, over the years, lots of trials and tribulations, and it's never been easy. Uh, I can say I still work, you know, uh, really, really long hours, six days a week, and uh, to, to make everything work. And a lot of great people on our team we uh everything from my mom great general manager great bakers um we had last year a bakery uh retired i think he's he had been baking 44 years uh it's just it and there's a lot of guys like that at our bakery uh everything from you know keeping the place clean and uh keeping them every all the machines working it's just uh it's a, a lot of work and it's it's this 24-hour cycle every day Everything has to be working. Everyone has to like be on their game. Yeah, yeah, and because uh, we take take orders up to like seven o'clock at night, that bread has to be ready on a truck at one a.m. in the morning. And I mean, there's just so many things that can go wrong, and and you could get a call at two in the morning or whatever on a Easter Sunday, and and you have to go down and take care of it. Christmas we had a pipe break, and you know was in, you know, doing some emergency, uh, you know, closing up a pipe and. You know, calling in a favor from a plumber and, and, and trying to just get everything ready so we could just open back up in less than 12 hours. You know, it's a it's a demanding job. For sure. Steve? Well, that, and that's, the, and well that's, the, that's the thing is people think this stuff just magically, you know, pun intended, it's, it's bread from heaven, manna from heaven. It's like they don't understand to get that fresh bread in the morning. I mean, somebody was probably up all night or late at night cooking it. I mean, you guys probably remember the old commercial where I've got to get up and make the donuts. Um I mean, I know it's bread, but at the same time, bread is bread is you know a, a cornerstone of our entire diet we eat. And uh, you know, I think that uh, it's, I'm kind of glad you said that because that 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 is a lot of work just to make something as simple as you think is bread, but not just to make bread, to make it consistent, to have a quality, to have it available, that it's fresh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anyway, and it's kind of a testimony, obviously, to the workforce as well. Um, is this all family members, or are there other folks that you guys hire and bring in there? Oh, yeah, certainly. We're we're around forty-eight employees. Um, the the only family are my mom, uh, myself, uh, directly involved on a day-to-day -day basis, and I have a cousin uh, who's a supervisor uh, on my dad's side. And uh, but everyone, I would honestly say, is like family. Like everyone comes in, they, you know, everyone wants to do a good job. Everyone wants to 
deliver a good product. And, and you know, it, maybe it's not always spoken every day, but every, everyone behaves that way. So you just know that's that's what it is. Everyone is protective of the of the brand and the quality and everything we do. And, uh, you know, if something doesn't look right, you know, it's just, if we can redo it, we redo it. And we just make it right. Now you mentioned some of the th- obstacles slash challenges that you have, but what are some of your responsibilities? I, I have an, a feeling that you have many hats. You just don't do one thing. Yeah, and I'm not the only one. Every, everyone at the bakery has to do lots of different things. Um, yeah, I, but I would say like like my biggest contribution is, is modernizing and everything from uh, bringing in software to, um, you know, making making uh, production sheets that make sense uh, from you know taking orders and like i said this is like a when we're making bread during the day it's it's just an active cycle of orders come in what we make and we, we just repeat this cycle and over and over and over again and so to make this stuff happen in real time it takes a, a lot of coordination and a lot of effort uh so i like to like to say i kind of bring technology in and and try to marry things so we can just do more with less because it is just it's just harder to hire people it's uh you know the mentality for for manual labor is different than it used to be not everyone takes that pride and and that dedication of what it takes and you you are working nights you are working weekends and and you have to care because it is still a manual process like making a twist is you know like you're rolling it out and you're you're making right. making that twist now, the Mancini brand, obviously, is, is, as we said, is iconic. It's been around for a long, long time. Is there extra pressure on you to, to, to keep it going? Because now the ball's in your hands. Um, you, I mean, do, no, do you take never. it within yourself to say <laughs> you put more pressure on yourself? Yeah, probably. I've, I've, I would just say I've always been like that. Our family's always been like that. It's mm-hmm. just uh, it has been like a keep your nose down and, and work hard and and things will work themselves out. So I don't know if I feel more pressure, you know, being that I'm the next generation, but I've been there so long, it's just, uh, right. it just feels normal. Well, Steve, if you don't mind, I'll I tell you why I asked that. My dad, I, as I told you on the way down here, I live in the same house I grew up in. I knew how hard, I know how hard it is for my wife and I to keep it going, okay? But I also know how hard it was for my dad to get it back in 1955, okay? And I've had it since 1988. And I make sure, obviously, for my family, but also recognizing how hard my mom and dad worked to keep that place going. So I put that much more extra pressure on me to make sure that I keep the ball rolling. And then it's going to be my daughter someday, and it's on her. Mm-hmm. Th- that's why I asked you that question. Yeah, you know, I do feel like it's just not an option to fail. You just, yeah, you, you there just, you go. You know, it's just, I just can't even consider it. And uh, Exactly. But, but my job is to make it, you know, healthy enough and strong enough and, and uh, continue to grow so that my kids right. want to come into it and it's worth it for them to right. come into it um, because it is challenging and, and uh, we need, you know, we need to grow so that we can bring the team in to, to support that growth and so that my kids can be part of it in a way that maybe they don't have to put the hours in that I did and uh, you know because because you love the business you love the brand you love the product but also you don't want your kids to you know work ridiculous hours and you want them to enjoy their family 
be able to spend more time than than I I get to, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just it's just always striking a balance because you know as you get older and you have family, it's like values change and sure. your priorities change, but you try to just marry everything together. There you go, Steve. No, uh, that's actually very interesting because what I'm curious about is, you know, again we talk about this. You have this legacy. And then you're torn now. You're saying, you know what? I don't want to force this down my kid's throat. I want them to want it. But not only do they want to, you want them to want it, you want them to maintain a standard. Um, you know, from a, from a personal perspective, is it as simple as I bring them into work and, and hopefully they fall in love with it? Or, I mean, how, how are you really, like, how, what is your day-to-day approach to think about, hey, at some point, somebody, hopefully with a last name Mancini or Mancini somewhere in their name, is going to take this over. Yeah, I think I, I think pressuring them is the wrong way to do it. Um, I right. do think just talking positively about the business and being honest about the negatives, but <laughs> but expressing the positives. And you know, they're getting the same thing I got when I was a kid. You know, they're getting great feedback. You know, someone says, "Oh, you know, that's your family. I love your bread." And um, you know, and these these stories that are just fantastic. And you think you would hear the same story a hundred times, which sometimes you do, but there's unique ones that come in and uh, they're always touching and, and, and heartfelt. You know, everyone has like a, just a good connection to like Sunday night dinners and, you know, memories of their grandparents, their father For taking sure. them down to McKee's Rocks on a Saturday. Uh, you know, and I have my peers that, that do that like independently. It's uh, friends that their kids came to the bakery before I was friends with them and they have, they have these stories. Uh, one, t- this is one, uh, one story I know when I'm getting older, uh, I was having uh, breakfast at a diner and I think I had a Mancini shirt on and she goes, oh, I remember when I was a kid, there used to be a baker in the window. I used to watch them. And then like, I put it together in my head that that baker was me because there was no window in McKee's rock. So she had to be talking about the strip district and I was the only baker in the beginning. Oh. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm getting, a, <laughs> I'm getting yeah. a little older. I'm yeah, already, oh, yeah. I'm going to the next generation here. Are, are you at the, I'm sorry, see, are you at the Strip District one often? Yeah, I'm typically there on like Fridays, Friday mornings and Saturdays. That's the one we go to. Yeah. yeah. My daughter loves the, di- the, uh, the Grassini, the breadsticks. Well, or, no, I'm talking but, about the, the, uh, like the honey, the, the garlic, uh, spread and all uh, that kind yeah, of stuff. Right. Oh yeah. Steve, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that, that's, that's funny. Cause it's ironically enough. The one in the strip is the one I go to. I live close to McKee's rocks cause I'm over in Coriopolis. But, but I still just like the walking around the strip and, and kind of the nostalgia factor. But the folks that are just tuning in, so we are with Nick Mancini-Hartner. He is the vice president, if I'm not mistaken, Nick, of Mancini's Correct. Bakery. Um, you know, again, Nick, appreciate your time. And uh, we're going to come back after commercial. We've got some more, car, uh, you know, a few more questions for you. But, uh, Claudia, why don't you take it away for a quick commercial break? All right. The Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame Banquet will be Wednesday, August 2nd, and I think we're going to be serving Mancini's Bread for sure <laughs> at Lamont's Restaurant in Mount Washington. If you want to become a member or uh, come to the banquet, please email your questions at, or email your questions at questions at italianimpactweekly.com. Don't forget about my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field in the Office as well as listen to my podcast, The Claudio Relsano Show, where I've interviewed such greats as Mario Andretti, Vince Ferragamo, Dick Vermeil, Vince Papali, 
uh, m- many, many uh, great uh, Polly Malinaggi, a lot of great Italians and great everybody. But you can listen to those shows and get my book at ClaudioRelsano.com. Our TV boxing show, The Boxing Authorities with Luther Dupree Jr. and Smoke and Jim Frazier. You can check us out on Channel Box, which goes all over the world. It's a great show. And also uh, Pennsylvania Basketball Coaches Association podcast. Go to pa-bca.org. There's some events I'm going to be uh, participating April 15th, this Saturday, the YinzerCon with Don Spagnola, who's running it. He's doing an unbelievable job. If you want tickets or more information, please go to steelcitygalleries.com. I'm going to be coming up with some uh, golf, celebrity golf information. I'll give that to you next next show. Um, there's, there's two of them. There's an NFL alumni. There's a Christian Sports International being hosted by Sid Bream and John Kolb. I'll get you some information about that. And I mentioned Mario Andretti. May 4th, Mario will be on the show. We're going to have Donnie Iris on and, and former L.A. Rams quarterback, Mr. Vince Ferragamo. And if you missed the show on Thursdays from 5 to 6, please go to www.italianimpactweekly.com, and there you can check all of our shows out. And I always have to – I always forget, but I can't forget Mr. Joe Hale, our producer. Great guy. But um, so we're looking forward to that. We're also going to have Melissa Marinero. She is the Heinz History Center. She leads the Italian section uh, over there. So we have a lot of great guests coming up. Um, Okay, Nick, there's been a lot of restaurants. I I won't, we don't have to mention names. Just let's say businesses from, and, and as Steve touched on before, a lot of the older, the grandparents, the fathers or whatever, they took over and lasted for years. Then when the younger generation came along, for whatever reason, they shut down. And I'm sure some come to your mind which, which businesses or, and or restaurants, whatever, you know, that's happened to. Why has it not happened, thankfully, to Mancini's Bread Company? Um, you know, it just takes, uh, <clears throat> it takes someone willing to do it, number one. Uh, and it is hard work. It's sure. hard work. And there's a... The way the world has moved, it's there's um, parents work really hard in these businesses to make money to support their kids and give their kids a better life, and ironically, the outcome is they get a really good education and they get really great opportunities and can can work. I'm not going to say not hard, but they don't have to physically work hard. They, you know, they're going to use their mind more. Uh, you know, and, and so whether that's an easier life that's you know for people to judge but they'll take that path of you know exciting life of moving getting offered a lot of money out of college to move to a different city and do really fun exciting things with technology and you know you can't always blame them for not uh you know coming in and one the work you know 12-hour shifts and holidays and weekends um you know for me it's just something that like felt just something I grew up in. I never, I never thought about it in a different way. Like I like working hard. I, like I like physically working. I like feeling tired at the end of the day. I feel satisfied. Uh, luckily, in my position, I get to use my head, and I, over time, have shown that like if I have a good idea and I work hard, I can make it work, and I get opportunities to like put things into action, which is really satisfying. Now. Is there anything that you've wanted to do that has kind of gone against the grain of the past successful history of Mancini's Bread that you thought could take it to another level or make it better? Yeah. every When you deal with a, like a legacy business, 
everything is a challenge. Uh, any change is a challenge because there's a lot of unknown. A lot of people, when they learned how to do certain things at the bakery or what made them successful, it was always based on like looking backwards, right? And this is how we always did it. You do it this way because it reduces mistakes or problems or things in the future. But doing it that way can like limit your growth. And and I will say it made us what we are. Like it it allowed us to um, stay in this like tight frame of what makes good bread. This is how you do it. And I, I think there's a lot of bakeries that kind of took like kind of shortcuts along the way. Like this machine came in, it could, you know, work 10 times faster. It could do than everything, person. right, right. You know, but they have to make sacrifices. You have to change your dough in order for it to go through this machine. You have to put this chemical in. You have to add this, you know, whatever they called it, yeast food or things like that. We've always been against that. And I think we stayed that way long enough that made us unique where there used to be a bakery on every corner. That's yeah. not true now. There's five bread bakeries or less in Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, that are like dedicated uh, to it. There's a lot of great bakeries. And I, and I really do uh, encourage everybody to go support your local bakery. Uh, there's so many great bakeries in Pittsburgh. There's so many great neighborhoods. Um, you know, it's not just our bread. There's a lot of like great bread out there in Pittsburgh. We're actually lucky for a city our size to have what we have. Um, I think I lost track there, though. Yeah, right. the, no, it's all very interesting. <laughs> but again, again, going against the grain, what have was there anything? Right. So I think we um, we stayed and like, you know, we had our blinders on. We stayed narrow in what we did to a place where like technology caught up. So um, like right now, when I came into the bakery, we hand scaled every piece of, of bread, and as we grew, you know. There's a there's a cost to that and carpal tunnel syndrome. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, guys, <laughs> their wrists hurt. And and now they, and it used to be if you if you had a machine, you had to put you had to put a lot of oil in it. You had to put things in it to make it work. Now they have machines that are like gentle divide. They lubricate with flour, which is like oh, wow. part of bread. And uh, they're low stress dividers. And there's things like that that we've kind of embraced to expedite and assist the baker. So so now. Yeah, we're not hand scaling every piece of dough anymore, but that's something a machine can actually do better than a person. So now instead of spending half our time scaling and then half our time shaping, we're using the skilled bakers to do the skilled part of baking, you know, the, the shaping, twisting, that part. And uh, so that's allowed us to grow. We're not like, we haven't like, you know, gone tenfold, but you know, we're, you know, two to five times more efficient than we used to be. And, okay. and I think our, Bakers are healthier because of it, and we're, you know, doing things better. All right. Steve? Uh, you know what? I want to go back to something, because you said something very key. You know, you talk about work, and you're clearly, somehow, you're passionate about work, what you do for a living. For whatever reason, and I haven't figured out why, but it does seem like people look down on work, and they don't see a reward or a value in it. They just see work as almost a negative. But you seem to be very passionate about your job because you, you're, to your own admission, you're putting a lot of time into it. You know, you're constantly trying to improve things. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're not necessarily forcing it, you know, your kids, but you're saying, look, this isn't such a bad life, you know, but however, you know, do what you want to do. Um, with that being said, do you have any other projects, both either personal or at work, 
that you're working on in addition to this, or does this like really just consume you and you're just beat down? Uh, it's uh, it, you know, there's two things. So the the McKee's Rocks Bakery is is one entity, and the Strip District Bakery is another. They're actually separate companies. Um, I'm a I'm a hundred percent owner of the Strip District and a partner in McKee's Rocks, and you know, there's so, you know, you, you know, you look at the Venn diagram, there's like, you know, three circles that overlap. And for me, that's a lot like my, you know, my identity is part of the bakery and the strip districts one and McKee's rocks is another. So it might from the outside look like one project to, to other people, but they're different things to me. Um, the strip district is like a mini version of the original bakery where we do scale things by hand and, um, we have the opportunity to spend a little more time working on some specialty breads and things like that. And you have that immediate feedback from customers that come in and you get to uh, interact with them. And, you know, when you improve the store, you see it, you know, you see the, the flow better, you see people are happier, they have more options, they buy bigger, you know, or, you know, more things. Um, and that that's great. And it's, it's this balance for me. And though it's taxing with hours and time and, uh, when you lose somebody in the strip district, you're losing 20% of your workforce with one person. Oh, and that's, okay. that's really challenging, both on the training side and you know, maintaining quality and all these things. And so that, that's its own challenge, but it has its own rewards. And McKee's Rocks is different. It's, like, it's, it's, it's about how, do you, how are you just a little more efficient and it makes a really big difference. Um, but it definitely keeps me grounded and keeps like that perspective from all different sides of what works and sometimes Great ideas come out of the strip and go to the rocks, and sometimes things from the rocks migrate to the strip, and it's uh, it's allowed us to do some things that I think would have been roadblocks, and you know, the, it, if they're both independent, maybe neither one would be as successful. But and then, by the way, that's interesting. I I didn't realize they were separate. I thought I thought a lot of people listening probably thought that the one in the strip was just a you know little branch of the McKees Rock. So that that is actually interesting. Um, how did can you, you don't mind me asking? How did that happen? Um, we were so you know, just over you know we're ninety seven years old now. There's so many different challenges, and when you look to what the future holds and how you can be su successful, you you think this is the solution, and um, you know we want to diversify. I'm sorry, diversify a little bit and have a little different model. At one point in time, I thought I thought Mancini's could be. Like, uh, like almost like an Auntie Anne's pretzel place. You know, we could sell pepperoni rolls in a 250 right. foot square foot model. And, you know, that might be the future of the bakery. Um, you know, that, and that was a path I was like pursuing. So the strip was in 1500 square feet. We opened in Market Square, it was about 800 square feet. And, and then I thought we can continue to shrink it. It just, that, that little bit I was talking about, like losing, you know, if we have five employees, full-time employees, we lose a person, it's a big challenge. And this market square was we were operating with like two to three people, and then if you lose one person, it's a big challenge. So that there's still too much like skilled labor involved to make that model work for us. Um, but you know, you, you never know. The the other thing I you know wanted to mention before is just the world keeps changing. So right. so even though what the idea that you have may not be successful right now, it's the world continues to change and it might be true in five years and 10 years this like you know there's a cycle of uh you know continuous improvement and 
and you just have to come back to things all the time. It, it might have been like this crazy idea 20 years ago, and, and now it actually makes a lot of sense. So it's really interesting if you do take notes for yourself, like what, like an idea, and, and, and sometimes I'll, you know, I just find the notebook and I just page back, and I'm like, wow, that's like, <laughs> that's a good idea. We, right. can, we can actually do this now. Like that didn't, <coughs> that didn't exist uh, that long ago, and computers can do that for you, and uh, just, just technology is so fast, and if you're, you're willing to embrace it, it can it can do a lot for you. Maybe you can come up with something for this cold I've had I've had for a month. Our very special guest is Nick I'd like Mancini. To second that on Claudio's cold. What's that? I said I'd like to second that on Claudio's yeah, cold. Yeah, this has been allergies now probably. I think so. Not, I think but. so. But our very special guest today is Nick Mancini Hartner, the vice president and part owner of Mancini's Bread. And you can listen to this show uh, every Thursday from Thursday from. 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And if you don't hear it live on the radio, go to ItalianImpactWeekly.com. Steve Mancini is in Washington, and I'm here at the Robert Moore Studios in Moon Township, Pennsylvania. What are the uh, goals for the company right now? Now, you, you said something about <clears throat> and sometimes different companies, brand names, they've gone off to different products and it didn't work. Uh, you, you talked about pepperoni roll. Not, not that that's not going to work or anything, but what are your goals for the company? So, yeah, I just would love to grow, continue to grow in a sustainable way. And, you know, looking at products or, I don't know, uh, products or like uh, pathways for distribution that are just one degree away from what we do. I don't, I don't feel the need to go reinvent anything. Right. But um, you know, there's only so many restaurants in Pittsburgh and there's only, you know, uh, because of our you know, relative short shelf life. It's like to get that to a place by breakfast service, lunch service, we can only grow a certain way. So, so I'm always, you know, I'm always thinking about different products, um, how we could partner with other brands. Um, I'm looking a lot right now just to like collaborate with other, other businesses, other, other great names in Pittsburgh. It's just great way to, ex you know, gain exposure, even though, you know, I feel like we have a great name in Pittsburgh, but hey, there's still, uh, we still meet people all the time that never had our bread or not knowingly had our bread. Um, and so it's just always a great opportunity to work with other people to do fun things. We, we did, uh, with a Voodoo Brewery, we did a, um, a spent grain beer bun and they made a beer out of our bread. And so mm -hmm. that's been like a great collaboration. So I'm just looking for anything like that. We can be like just mutually beneficial and we can help promote each other and get more people in touch with, with our brand. You know, I mentioned YinzerCon. I think you're going to that. Yeah, I, did. I was yeah. going to bring that up. Yeah, so, so next Saturday, yeah. uh, I'm looking forward you. to it. So. I'll see you there. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned the goals for for the company. What are the goals for Nick Mancini Hartner? Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, I want to see my kids, you know, develop. And we, we touched on that a little bit, and they do work uh, when they can. It, so just, I didn't want to roll back too much, but the, uh, the idea of getting them involved in the business is important, but the other thing that is different is the kids are so involved in so many different things. So it's like when I need help with the bakery, it's like I have to, I have to check to see what their schedule is and when they're available. How old are they, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, yeah, so I've uh, four, 14, 12, and nine. Okay. And they all, they love to come to the bakery uh, when they can. Yeah. and. Uh, they don't always want to get up at five in the morning to, <laughs> to come to work, but uh, 
But like whatever. I'm sure you do. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I, I hated it when my dad woke me up and dragged me to work on sure. Sunday morning. <laughs> I believe it. But I, again, the, the goals for, the goal, you, for you personally. Yeah, goal for me personally is, um, I also just mentioned before, it's to, it's to grow the business in a way that it can become more sustainable and can be something that, um, you know, if one of my kids become passionate about the bakery, that they can take it on. And, and maybe it's, uh, if none of them are, it's their passion, maybe it's big enough that it can support professional management and they can be part of, like, the direction of the company. Right. Uh, without having, you know, to completely dive in. But it, it's important to me that they participate somehow in the future of the bakery. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Steve? Oh, no, that's um, that's kind of uh, interesting because I was going to say that, you know, you seem, and for folks listening, you know, Claudio and I, sometimes we are fortunate enough to know the guests, and sometimes this is, you know, somebody that we don't know that well. But, you know, so, Nick, we're getting to know you. And uh, I'm kind of sensing that you, you seem to be very happy in life. Um, you know, you, you got, sounds like you got great kids, you know, you're, you're very involved in them. You're, you know, you're passionate about your career and uh, you know, you have a commitment to doing things right. That's not something, unfortunately, that a lot of folks have anymore. So if I were going to ask you, give our listeners some advice on how to be happy and, and to, to find that passion that can drive them at least towards happiness, whatever happiness, whether it's a place you get to or just the road itself. What are some things you would tell our listeners? Um, you know, try to figure out what you want, <laughs> but that's not easy. Um, you know, work hard to do it and like just to hold your values true, you know, always try to treat other people how you want to be treated. Rem remember what it's like to not know things. Um, I also like personal commitment wise, I, I volunteer coach wrestling. Uh, it's my 21st year I volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club. But like working with kids like that is, it's just, uh, it, it just reminds you what it's like and that the opportunities you have, like you should take advantage of it and you should try to present that to like younger generation. Uh, it, it's really satisfying if you give p kids a chance and you get to mentor them a little bit and it helps you, it just helps you keep like a good perspective on life. So it's challenging on the time side to try to do a lot of things, but you just have to do the best you can and you have to, uh, you have to know kind of that you can't do everything perfect, but you have to, you have to make an effort to do it. And I think that's how you do it. I, and I'm not the, best at like maintaining uh, long relationships, but I have like some really good core group of friends. I've been friends with high since high school. And you know, knowing that you have family around and friends around, it's just, it, it's just a balance point and you don't have to worry about those things. And if you work hard and you know, you know, just, just don't quit and you make sure things work. A couple, couple questions for me that I ask all of our uh, guests pretty much. Who are some of your business role models? I, that you studied and or anybody that had impact on you. That's one of the reasons why we named the show impact because so many people have had impact on me and uh, obviously my parents first and foremost, but outside of my parents, many people. And, and how about you? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now on just like who, who a big overarching person is, but I always enjoy reading like 
disruptors, uh, reading right. about them, the, the people that are successful and it seems like an easy thing, but they had to work hard. They had to convince other people. They had to like put their own house on the line at some point and that and they follow through and are successful. That, those are the stories that I, uh, that I really appreciate. And I also say like on a, like a small level, it's just going in and talking to people. Like if I'm in a different city, I just like knock on a bakery's door and, and then ask them questions. And you know, they're always, it's just a weird community, but they'll bring you in, they'll show you the bakery. And then, you know, like you just get like a bright idea. I <laughs> uh, talk to my brothers a lot. They're ones in, and computer consulting and the others in finance and, you know, just always asking like what they're doing to like make their business better and uh, and then taking that and applying it to in a small way to the bakery. But it really, it really makes a difference in being ready to take the next step because there's just, wherever you go, there's an obstacle and you can choose to stay where you're at. You can choose to, you know, go around it. I mean, it's just, uh, and sometimes it's, you know, making the obstacle half as tall, so you can do it later. And that's leading into my 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 other my last question, I think, my last question. But uh, we all have had the one thing that we all have in common. We all have to deal with adversity, both personally and professionally. How? What would you tell our audience? How have you been able to deal with anything that has been negative, both personal and or professional? What What did you do to get from A to B? I mean, I, you know, like, it's just when the environment changes and you think things aren't going to work, you just have to, I think, double down. You have to trust the people you work with. Um, uh, Our managers have been key to keeping our business going. And, you know, through all these different tough years, there's, if I look back at times for the bakery, there is challenges with flour shortages when flour went up 200%. COVID was a huge challenge sure. operationally. Um, just turmoil in the industry. It's just you have to, you just have to pivot and uh, try to look for the good idea and how and and how to make it work. And if if you can't, you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's time to look for a different opportunity. But um, I've been lucky enough that I've had good teams that could pull it together, and we've always pivoted and we become out stronger every time. Mm-hmm. And that's. It's just perseverance. Steve? All right. I'm going to ask one more question before we start getting ready to wrap this up. And I think this is something that I think a lot of audience members want to know. And I'm going to tell you why. Because, you know, in Pittsburgh, like, we, you know, we don't have you on here by accident. Mancini's bread is just one of those staples of Pittsburgh. So i got to ask, is there anything new coming down the pike that's going to have people like, we got to get that? Anything <laughs> What's your new what's a new what's a new bread project anything anything better than pepperoni rolls anything you guys got coming down the pike I don't, my 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 little side hobby is has been making bread sculptures and mm. uh, if you haven't been down to the strip uh, <laughs> recently we did we did an eight foot Grinch uh, out of bread it was 240 yeah. pounds at Christmas time yes we saw that we did a Santa Claus in the strip district and now now we have a kind of an baker and an Easter bunny and they're set up as like a selfie station. So right now that's been like my, like if I have a little bit of time and an idea, then I'll, I've been really playing with this idea. So I want to play in that, that realm a little bit to make bread more interactive and not just something you eat, but like you can interact with. 
and uh, have a little fun with it. No, I get it. It's like the uh, it's like those little chocolate, you know, where I forgot the, the the brand, but you know they have the chocolate in different shapes of things, and you you look at it, and it looks just like a bunny rabbit, and you bite the head off, and the chocolate <laughs> is delicious. But uh, no, that's good stuff um, because again, to your point, you're you're in the bread business. You're competing against a lot of people in the bread business, and you have to say what's going to make us different that people are going to want our bread. The name will get you so far, but if I go down there and I and I you know I eat the bread and it's no good, I, again they've gone downhill. But you guys haven't gone downhill, and I and I really enjoy that, and I actually enjoy eating the bread. I know it seems funny, but like I said, whether we like it or not, when we look at the simple things in life. Um, Having a good bread with some olive oil and some seasoning, mm. I'm telling you, it does not get much better than that. But, uh, Nick, I think uh, on behalf of Claudia and myself, we do want to thank you very much for being here. Claudia, I don't know if you've got any uh, I, I do final have, little thoughts. I do like have one more question. Please. I do have one more question. Go for it. The person who started the business, his name and his relation to you was what? Yeah, so uh, it was started by James Mancini in 1926, okay. known as Jimmy. Um, he had no kids. He was about, and I don't know this exactly, but I think he was about 26, 28 years older than my grandfather. Okay. My grandfather was the youngest. And so that, that's how um, the progression of the bakery went. So it went from my great uncle Jimmy to my grandfather to my mom. And then, you know. But you never met him? No, he died the year I was born. Oh, okay. Yeah, so what do you think he would say to you right now? <laughs> Yeah, I you know I would love to know because it could be anything from like a, a scolding for no, not doing I doubt things it. exactly the I same doubt that. to uh, I doubt that very much. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah to to maybe like a proud moment. So I I experienced both with my grandfather. You know, like he, uh, you know, I used when when I came into the bakery, I would just make different recipes, and he's like, well, "Why are you doing that? We already have the best bread in the world. This is." <laughs> and he would just he would just scold me for it. But then he would you know he would be proud of me and pat, sure. pat me on the back and you know brag you know to his to his buddies. But at the same time, it was always a, a tight rope in there. Sure. Address <laughs> of the two locations once again? Yeah. So the original uh, is in McKee's Rocks. We're open from seven a.m. to seven p.m. Six hundred one Woodward <laughs> Avenue. Front door is really on Mancini Way. And then and we're in the Strip District seven days a week also. And we're 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And we're right next to Woolies. All right. Well, I'm definitely going to see you Saturday at YinzerCon. Okay. And whenever my wife and daughter come to the bakery in uh, Strip District, definitely going to say hello to you. Yeah, look for me and, in the back. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? Now that I see you, I, I think I do see somebody in the back, and that, that was you. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, real quick, I'm going to read our announcements once again. But, Nick, it was really an honor and a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much, and thank you to your entire family for how important they have been to all of us here in Pittsburgh. And, and uh, again, it's an iconic name, and it's almost like, you know, when they, they say, give me a Kleenex, right? It's not a Kleenex, just a Give me a Man City's bread. It's just that's just what it is, and and uh, we all appreciate it. It's a great product, and continued success to you. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. All right, and once again, the Italian American Sports Hall of Fame banquet will be Wednesday, August second, at the Lamont Restaurant in Mount Washington. If you want to become a member of the Italian American Sports Hall of Fame or would like to come to the banquet, please email your questions 
to questions at italianimpactweekly.com. Don't forget about my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office, as well as my podcast, The Claudio Relsano Show. Go to claudiorelsano.com. I've interviewed a lot of great guys, and some of them are going to be on this show, such as Mario Andretti, May 4th, Vince Ferragamo, uh, Melissa Marinero. He, she is the uh, head of the Italian section of the Heinz History Center. She's doing a great job there. And uh, you know what? Do you have anything there? At the Heinz History Center? Yeah. We do not. You should. We should. Something. Yeah, yeah. If I got my stuff there, you got to have that's, some stuff there. Let's talk to that, them. We'll get something. That's going to be a question. Where's the bread? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> there you we'll go. get an old sign there or something. That's it. And our, our boxing show, The Boxing Authorities, on Channel Box with Luther Dupree Jr. and Smoking Jim Frazier. The Pennsylvania Basketball Coaches Association, which I host, go to pa-bca.org. This is almost like a Claudio promo uh, thing here until we get more sponsors then we're gonna we're gonna kind of push old Claude aside here but uh, Steve any final and, thought any final thoughts yeah exactly I'm glad you said that Claudio because I do want to thank our sponsors and I want to let our listeners know something without sponsors we're not on the air so we want to give an absolute special shout out to Greater Pittsburgh Greater Pittsburgh Travel excuse me Tom Deeks fantastic guy he is actually planning my vacation this year and no it is not costing me an arm and a leg and I cannot wait to go back to Italy and visit the family. So again, shout out to Tom, Greater Pittsburgh Travel. And I also want to thank Domenica and the group at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. Again, Domenica, thank you and the folks there at the Calabria Club for your support of our show. And last and certainly not least, I want to thank Angela Hertz, the folks at the Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the non the only nonprofit school here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, endorsed by the Italian consulate. And again I want to thank Angela and her folks for their uh, continued support of the program and uh you know we don't we try not to support or, or you know we don't want to just take anything from anyone so when i tell you i'm somebody's supporting us that's because i'm supporting them and i believe in what we're doing and i believe in the folks that are supporting us and if you want to see our other sponsors please take a shot and go out to italianimpactweekly.com see our sponsors and if you're interested in sponsoring the program please email us at questions at italianimpactweekly.com as always we are very appreciative of you just being a listener but uh you know if you want to sponsor us if you even have an idea for a good guest maybe some of you that are listening say you know you should interview so and so well tell us who so and so is by emailing us at questions at italianimpactweekly.com and uh we'll see if we can get them on the show because we are always excited especially to have local folks on the show but, uh, again, we have guests from all over the world that have been on the show already, and we want to continue to do that. And, again, as always, I want to thank you for listening and thank you for the continued support. Claudio, take it away. Saturday, April 15th, YinzerCon. Don Spagnola is hosting it. A lot of great celebrities there. I'm looking forward to being there. Nick will be there. We're excited to go. And uh, go to SteelCityGalleries.com. And, as always, thank you, Mom, Ida, Dad, Olindo, my wife, Linda, and my daughter, Ida, Love you all. Appreciate you all. Wouldn't be doing what I'm doing here today. Wouldn't be doing anything without my, my family. So thank you. Nick, thank you again. Joe Hill, thank you. Steve, thank you. Thanks all. And again, one last shout out. Thanks, Hank Eduardo, for the music. Yes. As always, if you're interested in hiring Hank, he performs a variety of classic and modern Italian favorites. And you can find him on Facebook, at, uh, and that's Hank Eduardo. So again, thanks, Hank, for the music. Take care, everyone. Have a wonderful evening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you to our audience, too.